listening to the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks tuned in from all around near and far just to listen to house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just listening to the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir are you aware that there comes a midnight hour when everyone must unmask That's Soren Kierkegaard. It's good to hear from Soren. Yeah. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the House of Mercy podcast. And also, welcome back. Yeah, I haven't been. I haven't back uh, back in St. Paul. I've been on the road all uh, all over the place, in Portland and Los Angeles. And yeah, back here. So it's it's good to be home and cold. It's good to hear your voice. I mean, and I'm so glad everyone out there is listening. Um, it's it's good to know you're there. So thanks for being at the House of Mercy, even in this weird way we do the House of Mercy now. Hey, I, I hope you get the newsletter. And if you do, you, you've seen that uh, some of us are gathering to have a discussion about uh, allyship, race, and gender. Um there's a tour of some some well-known women. Um, you can buy tickets to this Eventbrite event where they're talking about race, race gender, the future of faith, and allyship. Nadia Boltz-Weber, Jen Hatmaker, Lisa Sharon Harper, and more. So some of us are watching those and then getting together after church, virtual church, or the podcast to, to discuss it. But you know what? Even if you didn't join the allyship tour with the famous women, but you'd like to discuss race, gender, etc., with myself and Phyllis and Kari and, you know, whoever's there, we would love to see you. And that, so that is this evening, six o'clock. If you didn't get the link, let me know and I can send it to you. Yeah. So they could uh, just uh, email you at Debbie at house of mercy.org and, uh, you know, if they wanted to figure out a way to do this? Well, I mean, if you get the newsletter, they have the link there. Oh, it's right in the newsletter. Okay. And, you know, I think uh, sometimes a conversation with unfamous women is just as good. <laughs> so, Russell, do you think I was clear about what was happening? Because it's hard to make clear. I think I think you were clear. And I think... Clear again, enough? Yeah, clear enough. Um, absolutely. And people can contact you if they need more information. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it is happening soon. Um, all right. Well, uh, hey, no matter where.
where this world is going or how it seems to uh, seems to be right now, this is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, though it's dark and the sea is rough and the wind's strong, though we've been rowing for miles and we're tired, we'd love to see you coming near our boat. Or actually, even if it would terrify us to see you, it would be helpful to hear you say, do not be afraid. Help us be open to your presence however it might manifest, quietly, barely, comforting, jarring, the next half hour, the next 15 days. Be with us. Reassure us of your love. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Future House of Mercy hymn, Thoughts at 2 a.m. by Buddy and Julie Miller. You render your oppressors silent with your wordless eyes. You own the life of every man from birth until he dies. You see collective evil sway like ships upon the sea, like currents carried around the world by men so mindlessly. Your enemies so fierce and cruel one day all bow down and every tongue confess your name compelled to make a sound people sell philosophy like confidence men and so the blind lead all the blind into the ditch again the powers of the darkness try to swallow up the truth but in the end they find their lying mouth just lost a tooth the author of compassion has our pain beneath his skin and so the whole wide world upon his fingertip does spin I've fooled myself on purpose and I've been out on the run. I've painted myself pictures where I could hide from what I've done. But longingly the mighty one seeks me like a lost lamb. And tenderly he calls and says his child is who I am. Awake my heart, awake my heart, attuned to hear his words. Inside the great cacophony, a single voice is
know your voice and will follow you and they will heed no other call beside the one that's true you watch as hearts grow harder and the lights of justice dim you see your children suffering and want to carry them the time is soon yet soon the cursed snake will lose a join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for the world, for those suffering the physical and emotional pain of violence, for those drawn to violence, because it seems like the only means of protection or change, or the only route to power or the only way not to feel vulnerable, or because they are drunk with power, or because they feel they have none. We ask that you might make the alternatives clear to us. Help us see our enemies as human. We pray for the gradual, or if it could be faster than that, that would be great. We pray for a nonviolent subversion of the unjust powers that be. We pray for justice. We pray for the possibility of peace in our bodies and everywhere all over this world. God in your mercy. God of mercy, some of us are full of faith. Some of us have a hard time getting through our skepticism or are just inclined to go with what seems more obvious or for 1,000 other reasons, just can't see it. But some faith in you might help us. Faith that nothing can separate us from the love, not death, life, things present, things to come. We pray that your spirit might show up and give us hope, faith, or one way or the other, we pray for the expansion of our capacity for love. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, however you go about your healing, restoration, resurrection, creation, we pray that it will be tangible to the sick and the dying, those who are lonely and hungry, anxious, depressed. We pray for some discernible light and life and healing. God, in your mercy, let us confess our sin and express our gratitude as we pause now for silence.
You love us more than we can imagine and forgive us unequivocally and eternally. We are grateful for the mercy. Amen. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 34. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountain to pray by himself. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water, he said. Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, there's the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gesetaret. After the people of that place recognized him, they sent word throughout the region and brought all those who were sick to him and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's hard for me to feel the fear in this story. I think it's simply the amount of times that I've heard it. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter walks on the water and then takes his eyes off Jesus and starts to sink and yells to Jesus, save me. And Jesus rescues him, pulls him up, pulls him out, and they get back in the boat. Jesus spanks him a little. Ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And the rest of the disciples look up into Jesus' eyes with Peter and confess in unison, truly, you are the Son of God. It's hard to think of it as real because I know it so well. I've heard so many sermons and songs and lessons about it. When I read the story, those lessons just start telling themselves to me. You know, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Or, you know, there were 11 other people in that boat who didn't get out. Get out of the boat, Russell. It's hard to think of it as, like, real, viscerally happening because it's so, I don't know, it's so well-constructed. It's structured so that Peter's cry for Jesus save me, it's exactly in the middle of the story. There are the same number of Greek words before it and after. Not only is this, is it almost exactly in the middle of Matthew's gospel, it's the center of the whole story and the center of the whole gospel. The whole center of the gospel is Peter's save me. And Jesus is reaching out and grabbing him. It's not until Peter really starts to go under that he yells out for Jesus. It's also metaphorical. A metaphor for what? Salvation? If you call on his name, you will be saved. 
Jesus doesn't reach out for you until you truly realize you need him. Or maybe that Jesus keeps coming to us and is always right there. There's no need to be afraid. Or if it is, it's okay to be afraid. Jesus is right there, even if you are afraid. I don't know. It seems like it's something about fear and Jesus coming to us. Jesus coming to us in fear. There's fear all over this text, this situation. Jesus and his followers have just heard about Herod murdering John the Baptist, Jesus' mentor, friend, cousin. And furthermore, they've heard that Herod thinks Jesus is John the Baptist raised from the dead. So now Herod is after Jesus. When Jesus hears this, he goes into hiding. He quietly leaves in a boat to a deserted place. But people have heard that he was leaving and they follow him. So the deserted place fills up with this huge crowd and instead of hiding out, he teaches the people all day and then feeds them, feeds them with a miraculous meal. When everyone is finished eating, he sends his disciples away in a boat. Then he dismisses the rest of the people and he goes up into the mountains by himself to pray. So maybe he was not running away to hide, but he wants to be by himself. He doesn't want the disciples around. Why? Maybe to protect them? If he was going to get caught, he didn't want them to get caught with him. Or maybe he just needed time to think or pray. I guess it does say pray. In Matthew, Jesus only goes off by himself to pray twice. Once is here, and the other time is right before he he actually is caught and arrested. So maybe Jesus thinks this might be the end. Jesus maybe thinks he is about to be arrested, maybe killed. Evidently, the disciples are thinking the same thing because when they say Jesus, see Jesus coming toward them, walking on the water, they think that it's a ghost, Jesus' ghost. I mean, they can't be blamed, maybe. They're in the middle of a giant lake three miles from either shore, and there's a big, big storm, and the wind is against them, and it's four o'clock in the morning, they haven't slept, and they've been up all night, and after a lot of hard work feeding thousands and thousands of people... Sure, Jesus turned two fish and loaves of bread into enough food for 5,000 men, but you never hear of him coming up with extra help to serve it. No, that was just the disciples. Then after that, Jesus sends them off before the crowd leaves, like they better get a head start or something. It must have been, it must have seemed kind of ominous, Jesus sending them off on their own. And then the storm comes up. The wind is against them, so they're battling the storm taking turns rowing, bailing water out. So they're a little punchy. They're frazzled, not thinking clearly. Then, in my mind, when I read this part of the story, there's like a flash of lightning, and that's when they see Jesus walking toward them, hair blowing around, robe whipping around. It's a ghost, someone yells. Where? There on the water. They all look, scream, it's a ghost. They've done it. They've killed him. Jesus, it's his ghost. It's Jesus' ghost. They're afraid afraid of Jesus, afraid of ghost Jesus. They drop their bailing buckets, they drop their oars, and they hide, all squished together, pressing themselves into the bottom of the boat. Twelve grown men, each trying to get lower than the others, pulling tarps over themselves, trying not to make a sound, not breathing, the boat getting slammed by the waves, water still coming in fast, being turned by the wind. Is he still there? One of them asks. 
Is he still there? One of them peers over the side of the boat. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. A wave hits water everywhere. The wind, lightning, flash. The, the peering one throws himself back down to the bottom of the boat. He's still there. He's coming closer. He's coming right for us. They're afraid of Jesus. True, it's ghost Jesus, but they're afraid of Jesus coming toward them. I'm trying to think if I've ever been afraid of Jesus or afraid of God. Have you ever been afraid of Jesus? Have you ever been afraid of God? I guess I should throw in the Holy Spirit too. I mean, the Holy Spirit is a ghost. Have you ever been afraid of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost? I'm trying to think if I've ever been afraid of God. I mean, I'm afraid of a lot. I'm afraid of a lot of things, mostly people. I'm afraid of people and death. I'm not afraid of afraid that like people will kill me. I'm not really afraid of people hurting me physically. That kind of thing doesn't really scare me. I'm mostly afraid of them judging me and thinking I'm bad or stupid. I'm afraid of people like saying bad things about me or not giving me a loan or saying, well, you should have thought about that before, shouldn't you have? Do you think that's weird that I'm not afraid of someone trying to hurt me physically, threaten me, but I'm afraid of someone chastising me or saying bad things about me? No, I guess that's not weird because it's much more likely that someone will say bad things about me or think that I'm stupid or make fun of me than it is that someone will try to physically hurt me. Yeah, I'm afraid to die most of the time. Sometimes I'm not, but most of the time I'm afraid when I think of the end of think of the endlessness of the universe. Have you ever had that where you think, you know, the earth and all the planets are in our are in our solar system and our solar system is inside of the galaxy and our galaxy and all the other galaxies are inside the universe and the universe is inside of uh what? It's inside of nothing. It just keeps going on forever. How can something not be contained by something? How can there be no end? Like, have you ever thought, what if you were in space and you had to do like a spacewalk to fix, you know, the space station and your tether broke and you just floated off and you would just keep floating off until you ran out of air? And then your body would just keep floating off forever? It would literally never stop. That really freaks me out. That really scares me. Or like the one thing about the Bible of all the things that I just can't get. I mean, I totally believe all the miracles and of course the resurrection. But you know, when Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples watch him disappear into the clouds. Where does he go? You know, because I don't believe heaven is up like in a physical place or that you could get to. Jesus, does he just keep going up and up into space? It makes me think that that might be my one hope if I ever have to take a space walk and my tether breaks and I float away forever, that I might float by Jesus. But how freaked out would I be? I mean, I would already be so freaked out, so utterly scared beyond scared. But then if I saw another person floating toward me, how would I know it was Jesus? I don't know what Jesus looks like. Unless, I mean, unless he looked like the Sunday school pictures with the white robe and the beard and the long hair, but still, it could be anyone. You know, everyone looked like that back then. And it's not like I would recognize his face. 
And to see someone floating toward me in space without a spacesuit, I mean, I don't think you would have a spacesuit on, because, like, where would you get it? They didn't have spacesuits back then. I would totally think that it was an alien. Even if it looked like Sunday School Jesus or had a spacesuit on, I would still think it was an alien coming toward me. I would probably be so scared I would have a heart attack. I think I would maybe try to float myself in the opposite direction of alien Jesus coming toward me. Sorry, I guess I left this story a little bit. So they're in the boat. They're all in the boat. And one of them has just peered over the side to see if they can still see Jesus coming toward them. And in the lightning flash, he sees Jesus still coming. So he hides on the bottom of the boat again. But you see the storm is still raging and they're still taking on water. And now that they are not rowing and keeping the boat straight, they have, and they've stopped bailing out, um, bailing the water and the boat's filling up fast and one end is almost below the water. Then a big wave comes and hits it. And the end of the boat completely fills up with water. And that end of the boat slips under. Then the entire boat upends and disappears into the water. This is God's table, and all are welcome. On the night he was handed over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. We invite you to take some bread, some wine, whatever you have at hand, and share in communion. Future House of Mercy hymn, Get Right Church by the Staple Singers. Get right church and let's go home. Get right church and let's go home. Get right church. Get right church. Get right church. Let's go home. I'm going home on the morning train. I'm going home on the morning train. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home on the 
now may you go with the love of God in your heart and soul and mind. Love your neighbor and yourself, knowing how much God delights in you. Go in peace. Amen.